So to be sure, I do not have all of the answers. But in this episode, I am going to share my answers to some of your memory-keeping questions. This is Stacy Julian with episode 77 of Exactly Enough Time. You might think from its title, this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to rock a day and get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about owning what you love. I love questions and answers and inviting more of whatever that is into your life. In this podcast, I invite you to celebrate people, places, and things that make you and your life amazing. On March 14th, 2019, I published my seventh episode. And at the time, not knowing I would do this, I introduced myself and said, this is episode 77. I don't even really know why I did that. And I have thought a lot about it, but I think the reason stems from a place of maybe not believing entirely that I could create a podcast that would have 77 episodes, maybe not fully believing that I could show up for myself every week, that I could meet a weekly deadline. I just out of the blue said episode 77, I think almost dreaming about an eventual episode that would have the number 77. Now, if you weren't with me back in episode seven, it is fun to note that episode seven was all about the number seven. I called it lucky seven. So it was kind of fun to imagine a double seven episode. And here we are. This is kind of crazy. And for me, and I need this, it's a little bit of a celebration. I find that one of the best things that I've done in my life and for sure in my work is to pause and celebrate the progress that I've made and the benchmarks that I've reached. I think that's a really good and healthy thing to do. So I'm grateful that you're listening today. I hope that you are well. I hope that something I say today might be an answer you're looking for or some permission that you need to find an answer that's personal to you. That would be my goal. I'm so grateful for everyone who submitted questions. And you guys, I got enough questions that I think I'm going to do two episodes of Q&A. And there were enough questions that centered around memory keeping, scrapbooking, photos and organization and using photos that today's episode is focused primarily on those questions. So let's get started. So this first question is from Elizabeth via Instagram. What started you in scrapbooking? What drew you to it? And if there was something else you would have done with your career, if not what you did? 
Okay, so Elizabeth, thank you. I decided to go way back and I do have a very distinct memory of the dresser, the cupboard, uh, right inside the front door in the home I grew up in. And there were probably six or seven big scrapbooks in that cupboard. And I remember loving sitting on the shag carpet and just pouring over those scrapbooks. Um, I'm going to fast forward now to when I was um, fairly newly married living in Chicago, Illinois. I worked in a cardiac rehab unit at a hospital, and one of the patients just took a liking to me. My job was to talk to patients recovering from some kind of cardiac incident and encourage them in an exercise program. So we had time to, to talk as he walked on a treadmill and found out he owned um, a photography store. And kind of out of the blue, as he graduated the um, cardiac rehab program, he gave me a really nice point and shoot camera. And um, that's when I started taking pictures and paying attention to the kinds of pictures I was taking. It was a good little camera. And so I started printing photos and slipping them into big photo albums that, that I purchased probably at a Michael's. Um, in 1993, right after my first child was born, I was invited to a stamp party and subsequently signed up to be a Dots, dozens of terrific stamps demonstrator. And that was in Chicago. About a year later, we moved um, because my husband matched with his medical residency program. He matched at the University of Utah. And I landed smack dab in the middle of creative Mecca. I didn't know that's what I had done, but I looked up a stamp store and I ended up walking into um, Paper Hearts, which was co-owned at the time by Brenda Burrell, who subsequently started the company Pebbles in My Pocket, which today is known as Pebbles Inc. And it is still a line of products available through American Crafts. So... I signed up for a class called Scrapbooking 101. I went to the store to find stamps and inks, etc. One half of the store was scrapbooking, and um, there were all kinds of interesting papers with borders around them. There were lots of Mrs. Grossman stickers, and I immediately thought this is another way for me to use my investment in my rubber stamps. So I have to say that's probably what drew me to scrapbooking before I even really knew what it was. I remember thinking I like my photos in my photo albums, but it would be fun from time to time to make a super, you know, creative scrapbook with my stamps. And at that class, um, my instructor, uh, her name was Kim Cook. I love to tell this story because everyone who was signed up the night of my class, they were, there were two groups, and I think they were two friend groups. They ended up canceling, and Kim called me, and she said, you're the only person left on my, my roster tonight. Um, would you like to cancel or come? <laughs> and I said, I'm coming. And so she was kind enough to teach one person, a one-person class, in Scrapbooking 101, and I had lots of questions for her, and I remember us having a really great time, and I'm so grateful for her showing up that night for me. Just for fun, I've posted the, the first three pages that I made as a result of my Scrapbooking 101 class with Kim. Those pages are posted in the show notes at stacyjulian.com. If I was not um, working in this industry, I most likely would be a nurse. I was actually 
making plans to go back to nursing school at about the same time that I was invited to a DOTS stamp party. The next question comes from Jocelyn, also via Instagram. She asks, do you still sort your photos like you did in Photo Freedom? I still use that system. Yes, Jocelyn, I absolutely do sort my photos um, like I described in a book I authored called Photo Freedom. That book was published with Simple Scrapbooks Magazine in 2008. And for the rest of my answer to make sense, I'm going to back up a little bit and let you know that in 1996, I was now living in Utah, I applied to teach at the annual DOTS convention. And DOTS, by the way, is the company known today as Close to My Heart. So I signed up to be this teacher. I wanted to teach how to stamp in your scrapbooks. And that teaching opportunity was turned out to be very pivotal for me. Um, I was well received. And I was asked a year later to actually be a keynote speaker at their convention. So pretty quickly, I realized that I had some pretty unique ideas. Um, the same year, 1997, that I spoke at the DOTS convention with the encouragement of Brenda Burrell, who I was also teaching some classes for, I authored a small book. And when I say small, I mean 27 pages small. Small book. Self-published it. It was called Core Composition. And it shared some basic design principles that I had found helpful when creating or assembling my scrapbook pages. So it was in 1997 because I had this hot off the press book and I had borrowed money from my dad, I needed to sell it. So I kind of signed up again to teach at um, a conference. It wasn't called a convention. It was a conference of the Preservation Society. And at, at that event, I actually met Don Lampson, who was co-founder with Lisa Berenson of Creating Keepsakes magazine. Not long after I met Don, I was actually invited to travel with his wife, Deanna, and go film some segments that would be or could be played on PBS affiliates as part of a show called More Than Memories. My whole point is that pretty early on, I was thrust into the beginnings of what we now refer to as the scrapbooking and paper crafting industry. And I was also pretty quickly becoming overwhelmed. Um, as much as I loved what I did, I was falling behind and I had two little boys and then a third little boy. And I didn't love um, feeling that way about a hobby that I really enjoyed so much. And I shared a couple episodes back on the episode called People, Places, and Things, kind of an epiphany that I had one day that I could approach my storytelling from a place of categories rather than trying to do things chronologically and have, you know, an album for 1997 and then another album for 1998. Maybe I could just put pages about people that I loved in an album for people. And I could have an album for places and an album for the things that we did. And I wrote about these initial ideas in the book called Simple Scrapbooks that was published by Creating Keepsakes in the year 2000. Well, then pretty quickly after that, Creating Keepsakes was sold to Prime Media, which was a publisher of enthusiast titles. And, um, and Lisa and Don and their team, their CEO, Mark Seastrand, was told they probably should start another magazine, a sister publication. And my book was new and it was being 
received well enough that they thought, well, maybe this girl has some ideas that we could differentiate and put into another magazine. And that's exactly what they did. And that's how I ended up editor of Simple Scrapbooks magazine. So Jocelyn, that is a very long answer (laughs) to let you know that the ideas that I formulated during those early years that helped me push back the intimidation and the overwhelm, those ideas became those same principles that I wrote about in Photo Freedom. I actually had taught those principles online at Big Picture Scrapbooking in a class called A Library of Memories. And then by the time I had taught that class for a few years, I authored the book and um, and called it Photo Freedom. So yes, I do still organize my photos and tell my stories using those same principles. And if this is new information for you, I have a couple of resources I want to share. Number one, you can still purchase my book, Photo Freedom, as an ebook. You can do that at stacyjulian.com. I think it's $9.99. I also have a free online course called The Principles of Photo Freedom, also available on my website. Both of those resources will introduce you to these basic ideas and and get you started thinking in a very liberating way about your photos, about the, the power that you have, the insight that you have to curate pictures and to then approach your storytelling, not from um, from a chronological standpoint but, standpoint, but from a place of telling stories about the people, the places, and the things that are most important to you. So Teresa has a similar question. She says, do you still do LOM? LOM, you guys, is short for Library of Memories. And I've already answered the question. Yes, I still do it. Teresa also wants to know, can we see your scrapbooks and how you organize them? And my answer is yes. I have posted a photo of my library um, in the show notes at stacyjulian.com. Teresa wants to know what brand and size of albums do you use? So Teresa, this is where it gets tricky, but for years, I used eight and a half by 11 inch albums that I purchased in a photo supply catalog. This is in the early days of the industry. Before I authored the book, The Big Picture, which was in 2005, I replaced what I had, the albums that I had in my library, I replaced them with new modern. And when I say modern with a capital M, it's a style of album that was created by American Crafts. Um, and I introduced some 12 by 12 sized albums to my library. Now I chose these modern albums for two reasons. One, the spines came in a lot of bright, fun colors. And the fact that readers and students in my classes and, and those who read my book would be able to easily find these albums. So Teresa, I am currently using the modern albums from uh, American Crafts. They're more and more difficult to find and the color selection is limited. I am actually committed to teaching an updated version of Finding Photo Freedom in January 2021. And so I'm doing the research right now, um, trying to find not only the albums, but other organizational tools and solutions that I recommend. I'm trying to find resources for those things so that they will be readily available to my students. So thank you for that good question. Okay, the next question is from Carrie via Instagram. She says, how do you organize your scrapbooking slash art supplies? Carrie, 
I organize by color because I love color so much. And because when I scrapbook, I really view it as an exercise in playing with color and bringing color to the process because of the way that color communicates feelings and emotions and and memories. So I organize pretty much everything, my cardstock, my pattern paper, and all of my scrapbooking embellishments by color. So let's start with cardstock. My cardstock is in wood shelves. They're individual cubes and I stack them on each other. And then the shelves, I situate them so that they're vertical. And that makes it very easy for me to access individual sheets of cardstock. But they are sorted by color, which is pretty obvious. My pattern paper is stored in hanging folders in a big, heavy drawer that I can pull out. And again, sorted into color categories. So I have red, orange, yellow green, blue, and turquoise. I have a hanging folder for purple, for black, for white, and brown. And then I have a couple um, a couple additional hanging paper files for, um, for theme. I have a Christmas, I have a Halloween, and I have school. Um, and in each of those color sections, I actually have two hanging folders. So I have one folder that's for paper scraps and sticker letters. And then I have a hanging folder that's for full sheets of pattern paper. And that approach, that system works really, really well for me for papers. And then for scrapbooking embellishments, I actually have fabric bins. And these are the bins that you see at almost any general merchandise store, like a Target or a Walmart. And they kind of, they're collapsible, but you can, you know, you, you open them up and push kind of a heavier bottom down inside. And then they store in cube shelves. And I have a fabric bin for each of those same color categories. And I'll have smaller containers down inside each of the larger bins for smaller embellishments. But all of my red stuff is in the red bin. Now, there are a couple of product categories that are not sorted um, by color. Like I love washi tape and it happens to just be um, one of the tiers in a big tiered um, container that sits in the middle of my round scrapbooking table where I sit and work. And then my ink pads are also stored all together. So um, so those there's just those two categories where I like to see them all together. Otherwise, I break everything up, truly, and, and I store it by color, which I think just works really well because, again, when you sit down and you look at a group of photos or you decide to tell a certain story and you, and you think about the memory and you, and you try to remember the way you felt, you can communicate that so easily with color. So I can sit down, look at the photos, and decide that I'm going to make, you know, a fun page and I'm going to use greens and yellows and, you know, and some orange, then I can go and access those bins and I can pull product from those bins and I have a lot of fun making pages that way. What a good question. Thank you for asking. Oh, and P.S. Carrie, <laughs> I was going to let you know, I'll put a link in the show notes. I actually have a series of videos that I made a long time ago. I call these videos Scrap by Color, and it kind of walks you through some of the specifics of how I store these, especially the smaller embellishments in those color categories that I talked to you about. So that link will be in the show notes. Hello, Stacy. My name is Jennifer, and I'm a high school English teacher in small town Sardis, Alabama. 
Last year, during the 2019-2020 the year, we started a scrapbook club at my school. But unfortunately, as you know, it got cut short. I was wondering if you had any advice on starting back with older teens and ways to tell their story. Thanks for everything. Jennifer, I can't tell you how much I love this question. And thank you for the speak pipe message. Okay, so I do have thoughts. Of course I have thoughts. Number one, I love teens. I think they are such fantastic. It's just such a fantastic stage of life. So much to learn, so much to try, so much to be curious about. And yet, I feel like, especially because of technology and social media, that um, that, that young people, their lens can be a little myopic. You know I mean, I, I hope that that's the right use of that word. You're an English teacher, you can tell me. But I would love to broaden their perspective and give them a little bit of a past and a little bit stronger sense of the future. So it's less about here and now and what I just saw or posted on social media and how many likes or what's trending or what's going viral on YouTube. Let's help them look back and look ahead. I think that perspective is so vital. And I know that social science has proved that to be true. So I would love, first of all, yes, just get those kids on Zoom. Of course, that's how we all gather anymore today. But, you know, online is such a great way to connect, especially around memories. So I would create a private Facebook group or however you decide to deliver the content or to create the connection with with these young people. I would invite them to come and to, to share ideas. And I would give them some kind of a concept that they can take and adapt to their own lives and then come back and share. So maybe it's something really simple, like look back and let's let's recognize and note maybe five pivotal experiences you've had in your life thus far. And can you find a, or take a photograph that represents each of those experiences? And then looking ahead, you know, what are, what are four or five um, goals that you have for yourself or things that you'd like to achieve? And they don't have to be, you know, academic, but, but what are the things that you hope to invite into your life? What are the things you'd like to experience, you know, from travel to family to career for sure, but do they want to be known as someone who, who loves to read, who develops gifts and talents. I mean, to invite young people to think um, concretely about some of the things that they want to be known as or the things that they want to do to help them put that down at the same time that they're looking back really, I think, helps them recognize what they've already done and accomplished. And it's almost like it's a creative exercise and locus of control, right? It, it just reminds them that the, the choices they make today can and will have a lasting impact on, on their future. And they can totally have fun and be young and you know, explore and experience all kinds of different things, but inviting them to just make that connection between past and future. I think that's a powerful thing for young people today to be able to do and how fun that you can bring them together online and do that. So for sure, they can make any kind of scrapbooking page or project. They can document, you know, their school year, but to really show them and to help them think creatively about where they've been and where they're going, 
that's just a little bit of magic. You'll have to report back and tell me what you decide to do. Okay, this next question comes from Kathy via email. She asks, have you ever completed pages or an album at the request of another and your heart just wasn't in it? They supplied you with photos, but you have to pull information out of them. So it becomes a tedious chore. How do you keep it from sucking the life out of you? Wow, that is a big question. And first of all, it tells me that you are a very kind and generous person. And if I'm honest, I will tell you that I I don't take on projects for other people. And I decided to, to not do those kinds of things many years ago. Um, I will give you permission um, and I think you've answered your own question. When you find the, you know, that your energy um, is being drained and your heart isn't into it, I think it's perfectly acceptable to give something back. Even if you feel you've committed to it or you feel obligated to just give it back to the person or group with a whole lot of love and say, this is something that I started, that I'm having a hard time, you know, finishing and I and I just want to thank you for the opportunity but at this point in time I'm going to to turn it down or focus my energy and my creative effort on something else you have my permission to do that let me know how it goes I actually have one more question from Kathy in the same email do you think most of us enjoy scrapbooking because we don't have to write letters as much as our ancestors did Writing a good letter often had stories in it, but we don't do that much any longer. And I'm wondering if scrapbooking is taking its place. Well, I certainly hope that we are writing stories and documenting experiences um, at least some of the time. I fear that that kind of writing, that kind of self-reflection and sharing probably isn't happening as much as it could and possibly should happen in our scrapbooks. But I absolutely agree with you that that people, we have an innate desire to do that kind of writing, the kind of writing that not only records what we're doing, but connects us to other people um, with shared experiences, you know. And I love reading some of the letters that I have access to and, and learning the details about people's lives. So, whether you're doing that or not right now, I encourage you to begin doing that. And whether you've ever been a letter writer or not, it, it is that same type of effort that's required. You have to still your, you know, your mind and you have to maybe go somewhere that's quiet. I do think that that kind of writing actually happens in a different place in our brain than the creative page making, you know, efforts that we make when we assemble or design pages. So I think we have to be pretty intentional about setting aside the time to write stories and to share experiences and, um, and then to bring at least some of that, marry some of that with the creative scrapbooking that we're doing. I think that's a really good idea and a really interesting insight, Kathy. Thank you. Okay, we have three more questions. Next one is Lisa via Instagram. She says, I haven't printed a picture in over five years. I have 35,000 images on my phone. What do you suggest? 
Lisa, you are certainly not alone. And the very first thing I suggest is that you celebrate. Throw yourself a little picture party because you have all of these awesome images that represent the people, places, and things that you love most, that you slowed down long enough to take a picture of. How exciting. I would practice thinking about these pictures in a way that doesn't create for you feelings of guilt or overwhelm. I say give thanks for the amazing technology that allows you to carry those 35,000 images around with you. Those pictures are evidence of all that is right in your world. And that is something that should be celebrated. Now, what do you do? (laughs) What's an easy step forward? And I think emphasis on the word easy. Let's define something that you can begin to do today. Here's one suggestion. If you don't already know how, I want you to learn how to set up an album in your photos app on that smartphone. And I want you to name this album best everyday life. And I want you to work backwards in time. Start with July 2020. And I want you to find three really great everyday life photos for July and put them in that album and then go back to June. And you're going to scroll pretty quickly and find three everyday life images and put them in that album. I think you could do this in an afternoon. But just do it in 15-minute chunks. If you don't even have an afternoon, set the timer on your phone for 15 minutes and scroll back in time month by month and select three great everyday life images for each month for the last five years. And when you're done, do you know what you're going to see? You are going to see your life in highlights, in beautiful everyday moments. And then I'm going to give you two options. You can either print those pictures or you can simply display those pictures. We're talking less than 200 photos. You could display them on a digital photo frame right in the center of your home on your kitchen counter. This is something I refer to as living with our pictures. So if you print them, just Put them in a cute container and let people flip through them and invite conversation. And if they're on a digital frame, then they will automatically be scrolling in front of your eyes. And pay attention to the joy that is created by sharing just a handful of these images that you've been carrying around in your pocket. Did you know that you could do something that easy? We inadvertently create so much pressure for ourselves when we think someday I'm going to get to that. Someday I'm going to scrapbook. I'm going to be caught up. And yet the reason that we want to scrapbook our photos is so that we can live with them. So for right now, I'm giving you permission to skip the scrapbook part and just bring those photos into your life. And then pay attention to what your family members say about these pictures. How are memories recollected and what are the things that they love to reminisce about? Pay attention to that and you will find direction for what to do next. You'll be able to then define specific projects that you do want to dive into. I promise if you will start living with your pictures, you'll feel so much energy for the potential you have as a storyteller. Okay, Lisa, you got it? 
You are definitely not alone, but the way forward is much easier than you might think. In an upcoming episode, I am going to share a super easy mobile workflow with you and anyone else in your situation. Thank you for the question. Okay, Holly's question is up next. This is a question via Instagram. How do you prioritize your memory keeping projects when life, family, etc. pushes in? Oh my goodness, Holly, I totally get it. <laughs> in all honesty, this is hard. It's a constant effort in balancing demands on our time with the desires of our heart. But I learned early on that I managed to meet my deadlines for quote unquote work at first for creating Keepsakes Magazine and then for simple scrapbooks and then big picture classes. I am especially adept at pushing deadlines. So editors and others that I worked with learned to give me faux deadlines, right? Deadlines that weren't actually real because they knew I was going to miss them by a couple of days. But now I give myself deadlines. And this is the one reason I love projects so much. Projects with a start and a finish. Because I can easily define what I need to do with a project. I love that brainstorming and ideation phase where you get excited about a potential project. And then after I've clearly defined what it will look like, what's the purpose? Why do I want to make it? What's the concept? How am I going to organize it? What's the format? What's it going to look like? Is it going to be a traditional scrapbooking project in an album? Is it going to be something I create digitally with an app on my phone? Am I going to make a video? Or maybe it's going to be some kind of home decor project. Once I have those questions answered in my mind, I can begin to break down individual tasks in 15-minute chunks. Like, what's the first thing I need to do to get started on that project? And then that's how I proceed, 15 minutes at a time, knowing knowing 100% knowing that energy is harvested as we start and that motivation comes as we move forward. I don't know about you, Holly, but I have never been able to find the motivation to begin something that I don't fully understand, that I either can't define or haven't taken the time to define. Here's another thing I learned from working at magazines and for BPC is when you're given an assignment, you know precisely what it is. I need you to write an article that explains X, Y, and Z. I need you to create a scrapbook page that shows someone how to use the, this product or these types of photos or this color combination. It's defined. So the answer is absolutely to step back and say, what do I want to do? And I know there's a lot you want to do, but pick one project and define it and then give yourself a deadline. If you're like me, you will likely miss your deadlines every single time, but you will get things done. And that's the difference. You would never make an appointment with a doctor or a dentist and then just blow that appointment off because it wasn't convenient when it came around. You honor the appointments that you create with other people. It's time and I'm giving you permission 
to begin honoring the appointments you make with yourself. I promise as you create intentional time for yourself to be creative and to celebrate the very life and family that can push in on you, you will feel lighter, happier, your perspective will shift, there'll be greater fulfillment in everyday tasks, you'll be able to just approach life with a greater degree of gratitude and an outlook of generosity. You'll find that you have exactly enough time to be present and to celebrate life as it unfolds in front of you. You can do this, Holly. We can all do this. We can't do everything, but we can do something with some of our pictures, and it makes a huge difference. The last question today comes from Mel on Instagram. Mel says, is Australia on your bucket list to visit? Mel, guess what? I've already been to Australia. I've spent time in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. My experiences down under have been absolutely amazing and memorable, and I would love to come back. We will travel again someday. And the best way to stay up to date with me is to visit stacyjulian.com and sign up for my infrequent emails. I will keep you posted. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for helping me celebrate episode 77. Thank you for the amazing questions. Jennifer, who sent me a speak pipe message, is going to receive a story starter kit in the mail from my story by Stacy line with Close to My Heart. I'm so grateful to Close to My Heart for my beginnings in this industry and for the way they continue to support my desire to share a love of stories and storytelling. Go have a fantastic week. Make some new memories. Stay safe. And come back next Thursday for another episode of Exactly Enough Time. <laughs>